Hello and welcome to another edition of Slapshot 615. With me as always is my wonderful, insightful partner, Danielle Danana. I am Jack Woods and it is... It's been a minute since we've been behind the mic, hasn't it? It has. I don't know how long it's been since we've been able to sit down in front of this mic with you guys. Oh, I mean, I've, I've been working two jobs now, and I've been doing school, and mm. you've been doing school, but you have been doing a lot of great hockey research, from what I can tell at the studio. I sure have. Yeah, it's, it, it's really been uh, a busy time for the both of us, and a busy time for the Predators. It sure has. Let's start with the Minnesota versus Nashville game recap. The Preds win one to nothing and clinch their playoff position. Ooh. Only goal of this game was Ryan Johansson's shorthanded goal four and a half minutes into the first period. Mm. That's the only goal that was scored by the Predators, and that's all they needed to take the two points. Only thing they needed. That was Joey's 12th goal of the year and Victor Arvidsson's 13th assist. Now on to the power play. 0 for 3 on the power play. Yeesh. That's not good. Yeah. In the six minutes of 5-on-4 advantage, there were only two shots, both by Philip Forsberg. Only two by Philip Forsberg? Only two. Oh, man. That's so... That's, that's not good. It's not good at all. And something that I found extremely interesting on Natural Stat Trick was that we had four shot attempts in six minutes. All four were on the goalie's left. The right half of the ice was left unused on the power play. Two from the high slot, one in the middle, and one was net front. So it looks like the Predators are not being very predictable on the man advantage. Oh, no. Not at all. I guess that's been the story all year. but It has. <laughs> I mean, that's, that, that's not good. That's not very promising. It's not very promising. It's not at all. In fact, it has been nine periods since the Predators have scored a 5-on-5 five five goal, and right now we are 30th in the league on the power play. Where is our production coming from? Well, it came from Victor Arvidsson there for a little bit, but he's cooled off, and then Colton Sissons and Craig Smith had a couple good games, and then they cooled off, and Roman Yossi has kind of cooled off for the most part, too. So, I mean, offense has been sporadic and not really consistent, but I don't know, Danielle. I think, I think they might have a trick up their sleeve. I think the stability of this team is our goaltending right now. In the Minnesota versus Nashville game, UC Soros got his third shutout of the season with 29 saves, eight of which were high danger, and five were rebound saves. Phenomenal work by UC Soros. Pecorine's been doing well, too, and it looks like much was the story in the famous playoff run. I guess goaltending will carry the way, and we'll just pick up goals where we can. The they will pick up goals where they can. They will. They will. They will pick up the goals. We won't. We won't do a thing. No, we'll, we'll just record a podcast about it. Yeah, we'll spectate. Okay. We'll be we'll be the best spectators in, <laughs> in Bristol. Right? We got to talk about Colton Sissons. We do have to talk about Colton Sissons. Because as far as being the most improved player of the year, there's still five games left, obviously. Yeah. But as far as the most improved player this year, it's number 10. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I took a dive into Colton Sisson's stats a few hours ago and pulled up everything from the 2017-18 season and from this season, which is 2018-19. And I will read off this list of stats to you guys. It's pretty long, so maybe get a snack, sit down, <laughs> unwind, put your comfy clothes on. Right. Because here we go. All right, with five on five, Colton Sisson's in 2017 and 2018 scored seven goals, nine assists with 16 points total. 
He had a total of 92 shots, 32 penalty minutes, and 16 penalties. And on top of that, he drew nine penalties. That's, a, that's pretty good. That is pretty good, especially for a center. 23 giveaways, 18 takeaways, 123 hits, 30 block shots, 325 face-off wins, or a 57.32% face-off circle win. Wow. Phenomenal. That's awesome. I also took a dive into his 5-on-4 stats, and in 2017 and 2018, he had one goal, six assists, 16 shots, one drawn penalty, three giveaways, a takeaway, four hits, 81 face-off wins, and 49 lost face-offs for on the grand, power play. For a grand total of a... 62.31% face-offs. So he's a pretty good center, is what you're telling me. Yeah. <laughs> he is a pretty good center. And I took these stats and compared them to the stats from 2018 and 19. Okay. And I highlighted the places where he has improved. Okay. In 2018-19, there were 9 goals and 12 assists, making a total of 21 points, which is 5 points greater than his points in 2017-18, with 5 remaining games still. He has 74 shots this year compared to his 92 shots from last year. So his shots are lacking, but his accuracy seems to be greatly improved from last year. And this year, there are 12 penalty minutes and 6 penalties compared to his penalties last year where he had 16 penalties, mm -hmm. so 10 fewer penalties this year, which is a phenomenal improvement. Mm -hmm. um, this year he has 17 giveaways and 25 takeaways, compared to his 23 giveaways and 18 takeaways. So he kind of flipped them there. Yeah. His stats have totally flipped from the last season. And he has 93 hits this year, which is still... That's not bad. Pretty impressive. Right, he's not throwing the body as much, but he's scoring more. He is. And this year, he has 42 shots blocked compared to his 30 shots blocked last year. Okay, I That's like that. That's a great improvement. That's a great improvement. And his face-offs are still pretty consistent. This year, he has won 279 face-offs for 53.97% in the face-off circle. At 5-on-5. Five five. At 5-on-5, five five, yes. That's, and he's sort of been doubling as a winger uh, in the absence of a couple star players. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when he's moved up to the top line or sort of dabbles on the second line he's he's a he's a multi he's a multi-threat yeah he definitely is and this is what i found extremely interesting mm -hmm. for the 2018-2019 power play colton sissons has one goal one assist seven penalty minutes for two penalties mm -hmm. four giveaways one takeaway two hits and this is where it got crazy this year he has 37 one face-offs and 32 lost on the power play for a 53.62% face-off circle. Compare that to the stats from 2017 and 2018. In 2017, he took 69 more face-offs on the power play. Okay. So he's not being used as much on the man at advantage? All. No. Not at all. He took 130, I think it was, face-offs mm -hmm. in the 2017-18 season. And this year, he's at 69. It's Stop. crazy. It's crazy. It is crazy. To think that... He's had such a tremendous impact away from his traditional roles. Yeah. I mean, the he's already surpassed his goal totals, his point totals, much like Matthias Ekholm had. His shots blocked. His shots blocked. His giveaways, his takeaways. He's doubling as a winger, so he's not in the face-off circle. But when he is in the face-off circle, he's still being productive. He's still finding ways to contribute, even if it's not what Laviolette originally assigned him. Exactly. He's been a... Bottom six forward for the past 
two years. He didn't have a definite starting role in 2016-2017. Uh, Come playoff time, he turns it on, and then he gets a starting role, starts in 81 games last year, and he does a great job, and he comes alive in the first round again. Predators see an exit, and it, he's made himself more valuable. The question this year was, well, does he deserve a bigger role? And those stats sort of answered that question. Oh, I would definitely agree. He's improved in so many areas on the ice. I mean, he's kind of calmed down with the penalties. He's not taking as many penalty minutes. Right. He's improving his accuracy with his shots. He does not have as many shots this year as he did last season, but he has more points and he's contributing more by getting pucks to the net. Right. And he's controlling the puck better. His giveaways have gone down and his takeaways have gone up. Right. And what I especially appreciate is that he was hurt for a little bit. Remember he got hurt against Chicago back at the first of the year. We were all kind of like, oh, well, it's Colton Sissons. We can just stick in like Frederick Goudreau. And then they lost a couple games without him. And you thought, wow, he may actually be an intangible. And he's a, I believe he's an restricted free agent at the end of this year. And uh, David Poyle uh, traded away Kevin Fiala. So the only two contracts that they have to worry about is Rocco Grimaldi and Colton Sissons. And let's not forget the fact that David Poyle told Rocco Grimaldi, get a house in Nashville. You're here. To be honest with you, Colton Sissons should be... Colton Sissons is going to be a Nashville Predator next year. Oh, he's a staple to the team. He brings a certain consistency that you know not a lot of forwards can bring. I mean, right. you look at Craig Smith, streaky. Right. He's streaky. No mm-hmm. matter what, Colton Sissons always has that certain consistency that kind of carries the team. Right. Looking at you know, the turnover percentages per game, he's got maybe 0.32 turnovers per game, which means takes about two or three games before he turns the puck over. That's impressive. He takes in, he takes control. He's very calm, collected, and he took the first fight of the year against uh, Blake, Blake Wheeler, or did Matias Eklund take Blake Wheeler? You know, I was at that game, and all I saw were gloves flying and heads being bashed around. <laughs> well, I don't recall who exactly, but... So, you know, he step, he's stepping up statistically, and he's stepping up as a leader on the ice. You know, you're not going to mess around with my teammates. And the reason that David Poyle brought Colton Sissons to Nashville was he was a captain in the minors, and mm-hmm. David Poyle said, I don't recall which specific interview, but he said that Colton Sissons has the potential to be a captain one day. He absolutely does. He has the potential to be on the leadership team. Mm -hmm. And he, over time, has displayed that he can get better and better, and he keeps a cool head. You just said he got in the first fight of the year, but besides that, he only has six penalties, and there's only five games left in the season. Right. Compared to his 16 penalties last year. Right. He's growing as a player over every season. He's disciplined. He doesn't quite have that finish. That we want yet. He's had a couple shorthanded breakaways. I, I just one off the top of my head is against Vegas on October thirtieth, and just couldn't quite finish it. But his play sparked that team. His play sparked the team, and then what do you know? They go up by two goals about two minutes later. He's starting to generate more high danger chances than he ever has before. Yes, and the thing I appreciate about Colton Sisson the most is that he's very soft spoken. He is. He's soft spoken. But he gets to the point. And one thing that you're going to look forward to is the production. Because it's coming. Ten goals, it's, that's not who Colton Sissons is. He's not a 10-goal scorer. No. 
He's capable of 20 if he, he were to be a second line the second line starter. And he is definitely proving his worth for that position. Absolutely. And wanted to sort of transition because we have about 22 minutes before puck drop and we definitely want to see that. Yes, we do. One player that's averaging more than a turnover per game is Philip Forsberg. As of right now, there's only one guy who's turning the puck over more than anyone, and that's Philip Forsberg. Not really surprising. No. Because he's the playmaker, he's the sniper, he's the shooter, he's the best offensively skilled player on the Predators. Everyone else is below one turnover per game. That's impressive. I think that's pretty good. P.K. Subban, statistically, is the worst defenseman right now, just by default. He's still trying to get his legs under him. him. One high-danger shot, .06 high-danger shots per game. Right. We understand that he's a defenseman, but if you look at the top four defensemen for the Nashville Predators, they all contribute offensively as well as defensively. Right. And P.K. Subban, yes, he's a solid defenseman. But the Nashville Predators have always had versatile defensemen. And right now, he's not fitting into that versatile mindset. No. And it might just be a mental block. It might just be he's not getting the puck enough. He may be not be taking enough shots. He may not be getting good looks. May not. He may just not. He, he may just be getting unlucky right now. You just never know. But ultimately, they need more from him. And the debate over the last two years is who's been the better defensive pair? Ellis and Yossi or Ekholm and Subban? Last year, in terms of shutting teams down, everybody said Subban and Ekholm. Yossi and Ellis were sort of the, I guess... The Walmart version of... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they... Matias and PK. They produced on the power play, and they produced offensively, and Subban sort of had to make up for what Ekholm wasn't doing. Subban and Ekholm were kind of like the cherry on top. Right, right, and... This year, it's a little bit of a different story. Subban has missed some time, but in 154 games played together, well, I mean, 154 games total, Yossi and Ellis have produced 94 points, which is good for .61 points per game. For a defensive pair, that's very impressive. Not too shabby. Only 121 turnovers in that same amount of time, which is .78 turnovers. So So a turnover every two games. A turnover every two games, a point every two games. That's pretty That's good. Solid. That's pretty good. Ekholm and Subban have produced 68 points in 133 games, which is about 0.51 points per game. So they're barely making the margin of a point per two games. Their 115 turnovers in 133 games leads to a 0.86 turnover per game. So they're so they're turning the puck. They're giving more chances to the other team than they are generating generating chances chances for the Predators. Ultimately. It's been Yossi who's been producing the points, and Ellis has been uh, reducing the amount of turnovers. And Subban and Ekholm just haven't been fantastic in terms of stopping turnovers, but P.K. Subban has been a lot worse. I would agree. And something that has kind of been noticed is that Matthias Ekholm has always been known as an underrated defenseman. And now that the tables have kind of turned, and Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis have kind of taken the high seat out of the defenseman, you don't hear Matthias Eckholm under fire at all. He's, he's an assistant captain, but he doesn't get anything. He doesn't get any hate whatsoever. Any at all. And people tend to realize that PK is slacking. I mean, both of them are slacking right now. They both are. 
but people seem to put mm-hmm. more emphasis on PK's locking over Matias, even though they are a defensive pair. It doesn't quite make a whole lot of sense, does it? No, it doesn't. And then again, Ekholm hasn't ever been that offensive defenseman. Uh, he was similar to Anthony Boteto about two years ago, and now he's finally starting to step up out of his role, and it kind of seems like Ekholm can't make up for PK while Ellis and Yossi can make up for each other. Yeah, so, I would agree with that. So in order to sort of debunk the who's the better pair, it's Ellis and Yossi this year. Last year might have been Ekholm and Subban. But statistically this year, 100%, it's Ellis and Yossi. And the thing that we can appreciate about the Predators defensemen is that when one defenseman gets hot in that top four, the other one pulls back. Yossi is on. Ellis stays at the top of the point in case the puck gets back out and it's not a breakaway chance. That's what you used to appreciate. This time they're both trying to press the attack, and that's why you get a lot of those odd man rushes where the forwards have to back check. And it doesn't quite work as well anymore. Because if teams clear the zone, then it's wide open. And that's why that's why fans say they need to play better in front of Pecorini and UC Soros. Well, what does that mean? It means Who that, really knows what that means anymore? It means the defensemen are jumping in on the attack. They're being overly aggressive. They're trying to make something happen. The forwards, there's just not a whole lot of chemistry because there's new players. Daniel, I got to tell you, I recently put out an article about this. A phenomenal one. Well, thank you. You're welcome. That's very sweet of you. <laughs> I think that they'll put it together because too many bad things have happened this season. Pecorine was hurt at the beginning of the year, and then Arvidsson and Forsberg were pulled out. I don't know, Danielle. For some reason, I just had this odd feeling that they're going to put it together. And I agree with you there. I mean, if you look at all the media, just everybody from the outside of Nashville looking into Nashville thinks that we're soon to be dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm saying this as somebody who's kind of grown up the past few years around hockey and been in Bridgestone Arena, the energy, it just it never dies. And I know for sure that this fan base, although they might be a little stressed out right now, will support this team and that energy will carry us somewhere. They're going to put it together. At some point coming up, they are going to put it together. It's just a matter of time. And I was talking to, well, I'm not going to say his name, but I was talking to a very educated person in the Nashville arena. He predicts a first-round exit. He just does. He predicts a first-round exit. He says that five more games and two weeks of practice, not going to be enough time. But I, I guess it may be my love for teams defying the odds. I don't know if it's just this compassion I have for teams that have struggled, but they will put it together. They have, they, you know how things are just like too bad sometimes that you just have to say, all right, we're going to do well now. Like, I've had enough. Yeah. Drop the gloves, if you were. And I've heard a few people compare us to Buffalo. Believe it or not, Buffalo. This team will not pull a Buffalo. And I know that that might sound a little <laughs> a little out there. Right. But we've clinched our playoff spot. Mm-hmm. We have all the talent in the world. We mm-hmm. have a calm-headed captain. We have the physicality. At some point, they, all of they, that... They have it all. They have it all. It will fall in line. 
they have a mad, they have a big jigsaw puzzle right now, and they're putting pieces in right now. They are doing it. They're gonna put it together at some point coming up. They are going to put it together. It's just a matter of time. And I was talking to, well, I'm not gonna say his name, but I was talking to a very educated person in the Nashville arena. He predicts a first round exit. He just does. He predicts a first round exit. He says that five more games and two weeks of practice. Not going to be enough time. But I, I guess it may be my love for teams defying the odds. I don't know if it's just this compassion I have for teams that have struggled. But they will put it together. They have, they, you know how things are just like too bad sometimes that you just have to say, alright, we're going to do well now. Like, I've had enough. Yeah. Drop the gloves, if you were. And I've heard a few people compare us to Buffalo. Believe it or not, Buffalo, this team will not pull a Buffalo. And I know that that might sound a little <laughs> a little out there. Right. But we've clinched our playoff spot. Mm-hmm. We have all the talent in the world. We mm-hmm. have a calm-headed captain. We have the physicality. At some point, all they, of they, that. They have it all. They have it all. It will fall in line. It, they, have a mad, they have a big jigsaw puzzle right now. And they're putting pieces in right now. They are doing it. There's so much chemistry. And I mean, even with the new guys and the lineups being shuffled every game, they're all forming chemistry with everybody. And one day, that chemistry will fall in line. As far as the defensemen go, I absolutely agree. The forward lines, you need to find something and stick with it. That's where they're getting mixed up in the chemistry, at least from what I'm seeing. At the same time, one player gets hot. And then the whole lineup sort of surrounds him. Everybody gathered around the Jofa line and the third line last year in the playoffs. We yeah. sort of ignore last year's playoffs like we didn't want it to happen. But, Very true. But, I mean, we always sort of point back to the 2016-2017 season. But it's fair to look at the last year's season because there were some good things that happened in the playoffs. You showed that Philip Forsberg and Victor Arvidsson will... And Ryan Johansson starts scoring goals in the playoffs. Like, holy moly. (laughs) But they'll put it together. Because I know that they take things like this personally. I know that... Very. I know that players take things like this personally. Where it gets a little sticky, though. Okay. Per 60 minutes on the ice, he's generating 1.6 high danger chances. That's not second-line center stats. That's Colton Sissons in his second regular season stats. It is. Uh, that is, you know, in all honesty, Kyle Turris was Kyle Turris was hurt. He said he can't condition. It's hard for a player to just come back in and be immediately good. But it's been since February 7th. And one stat that might break the hearts of Kyle Turris fans out there as per 60 minutes on the ice, mm-hmm. he's generating 0.19 goals. That is the worst out of the forwards on this mm. team, just about. 0.19 goals per 60 minutes. <sighs> How many hours would it take for Kyle to get a goal? You know, it's been a seven-hour school day. I am tired. I'm not doing math. I'm just, I'm just, I yeah, you could, la- you. you could laugh. It's okay. No, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing math, but it, it would take a lot of hours from what you're telling me. Yes, yes it would. <laughs> but it, he's one of those guys that just needs, just needs a spark. Just need, just, somebody needs to light a fire underneath him, and he'll be back in, and he'll be, he'll be fine. Speaking of needing that spark, 
And this was a point that actually my mother brought up to me, so... Oh, Mrs. Denena! <laughs> she brought up a point saying, what if Kyle Turris is kind of the scapegoat right now? What if the blame for the team's kind of dip and momentum is being put on Kyle Turris because he's the new guy coming back from the energy, mm-hmm. or from the injury, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I agree with that, but I could definitely see that being a possibility in some people's minds. Right. And so I kind of wanted to address that because he's averaging 3.15 shots per game. He's coming back from an injury. He's battling through. And like you said, he doesn't have that spark yet. And yes, it has been since February 7th. And should he have that spark by now? Yes, he should. But I'm not saying that Kyle Turris is the one sinking the ship right now. Right. At all. This is a team effort. Right. And speaking from an athlete's perspective, you and I both know when we say, when we're coming off something and we say we're at 100%, we're never at 100%. We are never, we're maybe operating at like 80, 90% capacity. So if Kyle Turris is saying that he's almost ready and he's skating on the second line with a forward who turns the puck over more often than not, and then a guy who just shoots wherever he is, Craig Smith and Kevin Fiala, it's hard. It's, he's probably playing at like 60% and it's gotten better, but at the same time, He's not playing at 100% right now. Neither is Philip Forsberg. No. And another thing with Kyle Turris that has been addressed by multiple media men is where's his chemistry with his lines now? When he came back, his line mate, since he's been in Nashville, Kevin Fiala was traded, and he's been shuffled around, sat out. I mean, fourth line, second line, bench. He's not building chemistry because these lines are being shuffled almost every game. And it's that's bad for not only the Predators, that's bad for tourists especially. And if they want success in the postseason, you need to park him on a line, say, these are your guys, get acclimated, and get acclimated quick. Exactly. Fiala and Smith were shooters. They were. And Granlin is a playmaker, like Turris. And everybody's wanting Granlin, Turris, and Smith. Well, you have two playmakers and then one shooter. Who's streaky at that. Exactly. So, Torres is in a tough spot. Granlin's in a tough spot. There's a reason that they're not having success. There's a reason everybody's pointing to the Jofa line saying, this is a one-line team. They're not a one-line team. They have the potential to be a three, four-line team. Yes. And they do have a lot of forward depth that have come up clutch in the playoffs. So, But another player on the where you been, buddy segment. Where you been? P.K. Subban. Where you been? And where's the reality show been? That's what I want to know. I want to know, too. He interviewed Roman Yossi, and Roman Yossi was possibly the worst guest I've ever seen on a talk show. But, hey, man, like, you know, he's going around town trying hot chicken and going to Franklin and drinking beer, and it's just like, buddy. Buddy. Where you been? Speaking of his stats, let's get on that topic. Don't bring me stats. the first of the year, PK has five goals, nine assists, 40 penalty minutes. (laughs) And he averages two and a half shots per game. So his production point-wise is... Not great. Not too great at all. And one thing about PK that I thought was notable is how he draws penalties. Okay. Per 60 minutes, he draws .88 penalties. That's not. That's actually really good. It is very good. And right. that's something that this team could really take advantage of once they use all of the eyes for a power play. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of just shooting from the left side. Exactly. <laughs> But 
here's a comparison that I think may shock a lot of listeners right now. P.K. Subian, per 60 minutes, generates .06 high-danger shots, and he has had one high-danger shot this year. Okay. Let's... He's a, he, now, we know he's a defenseman. Yes. Danielle and I know he's a defenseman. He, we know he's not supposed to go to those areas. We know that. But listen to this. Roman Yossi this year has 22 high danger chances as a defenseman. As a defenseman, that is outstanding. Yes. That's phenomenal. That's almost unheard of. For a defenseman? For yeah, a defenseman absolutely. defenseman who is an incredible defenseman. Oh, absolutely. I've never seen a busier D-man before. No, and he... He'll crash into the boards behind the opposing goaltender's net and then be right in front of Rene and Saros about 10 seconds later. Yeah, and since January 1st, Roman has had 8 goals, 11 assists, 28 penalty minutes, 4 power play goals. That's nice. And then 3.1 shots average per game. And he takes an average of 28.6 shifts per game. He, he definitely puts the team on his back and says... Here's where we're going, and if you don't like it, get off. And most players get off, and that's not great. But he, everybody's saying, like, oh, make Forsberg or make Johansson the captain. It's like, no. No, no, no. Yes, he's a good captain. And he's doing that on the ice. Regardless of what happens in the locker room, what is he doing on the ice? He's taking control. He is taking control. And everybody, you know, Justin Bradford mentions this on the radio every week. He has a segment called Dumb Things Said on Preds Facebook. We're not cop. That's that's. We're not copywriting, Justin. If no, you listen to this. We're not copywriting. Just bringing up a point here. <laughs> Every week, we hear strip Roman Yossi the C. Take the C away. He's not a leader. We need Shea Weber back. Listen, people. Roman Yossi produces on the ice, and nobody knows what goes on in the locker room. Nobody. The team voted Roman to be captain. Mm-hmm. They voted him to take control of the team. Mm-hmm. And, like I said, nobody knows what goes on behind closed doors. Nope. At all. The team has not shamed Roman in, in any way. He's leading the team in stats. And right now, the way the team is producing, they need somebody to lead on the ice, statistically, skillfully. I mean, there's nothing that this guy cannot do. Right. There really isn't. That's right. He's a, he's a good captain. He does all the right things. You know, he's just a good guy. He's a good guy. You see him, like, bump against the boards with the best buddies every game. He'll, like, come over and give a fist bump. Like, he's a good guy. He's and producing. He's a good captain. So, saying strip him of the sea is, for lack of a better term, idiotic. I would agree with that. <clears throat> and something about Roman Yossi that I think a lot of people have noticed is that he keeps a calm head on the ice. Mm-hmm. He knows that we have people like Wayne Simmons and now probably soon to be Austin Watson. Cody McLeod, mm-hmm. we, he knows that we have those... Cody McLeod is okay. mor- morale support. Okay. <laughs> but he knows that we have guys that are willing to take a beating, to drop the gloves, to get physical. Mm-hmm. He knows that as a captain, his job is to keep the team mentally calm mm-hmm. and composed so that they can play the game they're supposed to play. People say we need people... Well, we need a captain who are, is going to drop the gloves. Mike Fisher, Shea Weber... Right now, what this team needs is somebody to lead by example, knowing that we have guys to take care of that physical aspect. And that's what we traded for. That was one of the problems. That's one of the problems that the Predators had in the regular season early on. They couldn't score on the power play, 
and they weren't physical enough. So we took care of the physicality, and we brought on Wayne Simmons and Brian Boyle as sort of a combo, like, hey, take care of the power play, take care of the physicality. Teams aren't bullying the Predators anymore. Like, no. Teams are not bullying. They're slower, but they're not being bullied. No. Boyle's dropped the gloves three or four times since he's been with the Predators. Simmons has dropped the gloves a couple times. Cody McLeod's dropped the gloves a couple times. They have Austin Watson down in Milwaukee. Like, hey, get your legs back under you because they need him. Overall, physicality's being taken care of. Oh, it is. Referring back to the mental state of the team, I feel like that's where their block is right now, is mental. They, They can't get over themselves because when a team loses enough, they either get really, really tired of it or they lay down and take it. And unfortunately, what Nashville fans have seen is two sides of the same coin. So you have this side where, man, we they're just done. They're just out of gas. They don't want to be there. They just want to go home. They want to do whatever hockey players do off the ice. Record, go play some golf. Record podcasts. Like, they just, yeah. whatever they do. And then you've seen they get mad. They start playing good hockey, and they score goals, and they win. They do. And prime example of that, 2017, Chicago first round, swept them. And then that got confidence. They win the first one. They don't lose at home until Mm -hmm. the Anaheim Ducks series. Then they come back and respond like, we're not going away easy. Beat them again in Bridgestone Arena. Then go, and then finally Pecorine showed that he indeed actually is human. And that's why they lost. That's why I believe in this team. On paper, the Nashville Predators have never been more talented. Oh, I totally agree. It's a fact. P.A. Parent, though, was on the fourth line in Game 6 of the Pittsburgh Penguins in that Stanley Cup Final. Nothing against the guy. He produced 28 points in the regular season. He didn't do squat in the postseason. And now, top to bottom... When Kyle Turris isn't playing well, he's on the fourth line. Or the bench, even. They like, benched him. Like, Kyle Turris. Our $6 million a year forward. One of the best centers for the Ottawa Senators for years is potentially a healthy scratch. That's how talented this team is. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to our fourth edition of Slapshot 615. I am Danielle Donena. Jack Woods, as always. And we'll be back soon. Thank you. Have a nice day.